Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com for faith, fellowship, and love. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic health share ministry to provide an affordable health sharing program rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at MyCatholicHealthShare.com. CMF Curo. Healthcare fully alive. Well, howdy, everybody. This is John Michael Talbot. All things are possible with God. We are going to be going back and hitting the highlights of this last series I did called Monk Dynasty. See you back here in 10 seconds. Love you guys. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back. We are going to be summarizing this whole series that I've shot on Monk Dynasty. Well, the first thing, you know, Moses didn't come visit you. Look at this beard, baby. (laughs) It either attracts kids or scares kids. Moses ain't here. And sorry, young people, Gandalf did not show up. There's no wizards here today. (laughs) And no, the guys from Duck Dynasty aren't here. It's Monk Dynasty. So, we did, in fact, look at the whole history of the the monastic movement, bringing it right into the present. Well, the word monk comes from the Greek monos, and it means one and alone. So, the question from the word monk is, are we living for God and God alone? I love that Steve Green song, for God and God alone. See, Evagrius Ponticus, one of the first monks in the desert, he said, we are separated from all and united with all. Evagrius also said, renounce all to gain everything. So when in fact we say we are for God and God alone, well, we seem like we're excluding everything but from God, uh, everything but God in our life. But what happens is when we focus on God through Christ, everything else in our life comes together. That's the message of the monks from the ancient past for us today. We also call this program Monk Dynasty. A dynasty is anything that is passed on through a blood family. When you study the dynasties, for instance, of China, that's, that's a, a dynasty. It's, a, it's a tr- something that's passed on through the family, a leadership, rulers from one generation to the next. Well, what we have in Christ is the blood of Jesus. No greater love has anyone than to lay down their life for their friends. 
Jesus laid down his life out of love for each one of us personally. Wow. Are we allowing ourselves to understand that notion of the blood of Christ? We hear the word thrown around so much, the phrase. Sometimes it loses its power. That Jesus came from eternity and loved each one of us so much that he gave his life on a cross out of love for each one of us. See, a monk dynasty is a dynasty that's built on the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We are a blood family, aren't we? Our family is built on the blood of Jesus Christ. And it continues from one generation to the next. It's come down all the way from Jesus through all the great monks of the past into the now. So to be part of this monk dynasty, you've got to live for God and God alone, and you've got to realize the power of Jesus' shed blood for each one of us. Don't ever dare to think you're not loved. God loved you so much, He came into the world and died on a cross for you and for me. And then here's the deal. He is God, so He rose from the dead. We can be born again in Him. We become new creations in Him. We don't have to stay stuck in the old patterns of our life. New possibilities are for us and rising up for us every single day. How cool is that? Wow. So this monk dynasty is not just about studying the lives of people from long ago. It's about now. Well, let's take a look real quickly at some of the expressions that we did study in previous shows. We talked about the desert monks, desert monasticism. We know that Jesus is the quintessential monk, and there were early expressions from Jesus and John the Baptist. Oh, the Jewish folks at Qumran, the Essenes. We know that virgins... Widows in the early church were precursors, and a movement of the Spirit began to happen. Then in Egypt, about the 4th century, really as early as the 3rd and 4th century, there began to be people that for one reason or another, they were protesting in a way the laxity of the typical Christian expression of the time, or maybe they were under persecution, the Diocletian persecution, for instance. So they went into the wilderness to live for God and God alone. And they began to attract disciples. People began to come and join them. So there were hermits. The word monos, monk, means one and alone. So it made a lot of sense that some of these people were hermits. They would live in solitude. Then people would come and join them, and hermit colonies were established where there would be individual hermit cells that were one day's walk from a common chapel. And they would get together on Saturdays and Sundays. The rest of the week, they'd live out in solitude. And then they begin to build communities, pacomias, of living this life for God and God alone together. This all happened in the desert. And then what happened is they began to bring this from the wilderness into the city. And we begin to see urban monasticism. This is really seen in two primary figures, 
St. Basil and St. Augustine. St. Basil, he built a thing that was one of the wonders of the world called the Basiliad. It was the first time that monks began to engage in education and care for the poor and hospital work. Basically, the first hospitals were built under St. Basil. He had hermits, but they all had to take their turn doing some service for others in the Basiliad. The other example of this would be St. Augustine. St. Augustine, all of the clergy of his diocese, when he became the Bishop of Hippo in northern Africa, they would live in community together. Why? Because you can't preach what you don't possess. You can't give what you don't have. You can't give salvation to anyone if you're not saved. It's just empty words. You're just flapping in the air. But with that power of the Spirit in your life and with that relationship with Jesus, now you have something to give. So he had all of the clergy come and live a life of prayer, a life of community where that where that relationship with Jesus was tested in actual relationships. And they spread all through northern Africa. They, they, they brought together the Manichaeans, who were heretics, and the Arians, who were heretics. They brought Orthodox Christianity into northern Africa. An amazing thing happened. At the end of the time of St. Augustine, he saw the whole thing begin to crumble and fall. He teaches us how to live in the midst of persecution. Well, what are some of the others? In the West, we have John Cassian, who taught us, basically, that inner psychology of prayer, the eight thoughts, that you go from little sins to big sins, and when you, don't hang, when you hang on to your sins, whether it's in gluttony, or whether it's in fornication, or whether it's in the need to control, in avarice, people, possessions, you get angry, you get bitter, you get bored, and then you give in to self. You want yourself built up all the time, and then you end in pride. And we also have St. Jerome, who translated the scriptures from Hebrew into Latin with the Vulgate. And he gave us this ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. The early monks were biblical, biblical. The Bible is our book. It came forth from the church, was compiled by the church. Don't let anybody tell you Catholic Christians ain't biblical. It's our book, baby. St. Benedict moderated the extremes and the excesses of all the different expressions of of monasticism in the West. He brought it together into a moderate, livable whole. And then he was able to missionize. The first missionaries often came forth from those Benedictine monasteries. And in the New World, they became the bringers of education, Education and ministry. We owe so much of Western civilization to the work of the Benedictines. Well, that only brings us part of the way through the story. We're going to come back and look at the rest and how it all applies to you. And this is this wonderful dynasty of Jesus and radical life for Christ coming right to you and me right now. I love you. All things are possible with God. Come back and join us. In good pasture, he will shepherd his people. 
On the mountain tops, he feeds his sheep. He will lead the poor and afflicted through the wilderness. He brings relief. There is one faith, one hope, and one baptism, one God and Father of all. There is one church, one body, one life, and the Spirit now given so freely to all. But He'll not forsake His people. He'll claim His sheep for His own. He'll send out his word to the nations. We gather his people back home. For he is the good shepherd. He's laid down his life for his sheep. So out of many nations, he's gathered one fold and one faith. There is one faith, one hope. One baptism, one God and Father of all. There's one church, one body, one life, and the Spirit now given so freely to all. There's one faith, one hope, and one baptism, one God and Father of all. There's one church, one body, one life, and the Spirit now given so freely, given so freely to all. Well, howdy, everybody. This is John Michael. Welcome back. We are doing the summary of this series called Monk Dynasty, to live for God and God alone and the blood of Jesus Christ, the dynasty of Christ, coming from his time right to you and me today, to be radical but not fanatical. We left off with the Benedictines. Well, we also want to include the Celts, Irish monks, as Christianity spread, some say it went from Lorenz around up to Ireland and Scotland. And this was integrated, integrated evangelizers. If Benedict was a moderate moderation and mission, the thing about the Celts was they had integrated male, female, clergy, laity, men, women, families in these monastic villages and they began to evangelize men they were on fire with the spirit the Celts were on fire they were just wild for Jesus and boy Columbanus if you remember went all the way down from Ireland and into Europe and all the way to Italy in Bobbio wow how about that? We got to have that fire of those Celts, don't we? And then we move to the 11th century reforms of Benedictinism in the West. When things grow, so they are founded, then they grow, and sometimes instead of evolving, they devolve, they degenerate. And that happens in religious movements, so there need to be periodic reforms. In the 11th century, some reformers... St. Romuald, who founded the Camaldolese, Bruno founded the Carthusians, and the greatest example of the Cistercians that we remember is St. Bernard of Clairvaux. So the three C's, 
Cistercian, or excuse me, Camaldolese, Carthusian, and Cistercians. They were reformers who wanted to, to grow away from the laxity, the abuses that had crept into Western monasticism and gospel living. They wanted to go right back to the heart, right back to the root. They wanted to be radical for Christ, but not fanatical, not fanatical. So, a great example. What about you and me? Don't we need reform sometimes? I think so. Don't we ever fall into laxity and laziness in our life in Christ? Yeah, I think so. What about our church, our communities? Yeah, we do it too. There need to be reforms from time to time to come back to that life in Jesus. The 11th century reformers paved the way for what came later, and that was the mendicant movement of the 13th century. The mendicant, the word mendicant goes back to a Latin word that means open-handed. We too, see, to open your hands, you stop grasping, clinging, trying to control your ideas, your agendas, your plans, your possessions. You, You let go and let God. And so they opened their hands and emptied their hands. St. Francis is the great example. They called him the Alter Christus, which means another Christ. He, other than Jesus, St. Francis is probably one of the most beloved spiritual figures in the West. He wanted to live the gospel without gloss, without compromise. And he was on fire with the Spirit. St. Dominic came along at the same time of Francis. They were were brothers in the spirit. Dominic emphasized the intellectual. Francis emphasized the ministry. But they were considered kind of cousins. We also had the Augustinians, this group, uh, kind of disparate, wandering groups of hermits, and they were brought together in the Grand Union. And the Carmelites, who came from Mount Carmel, above Haifa in the Holy Land, where they lived as semi-aromatical hermits, they came into Italy and were part of this mendicant movement as well. The mendicants paved the way for all the later forms of monastic life and religious life in the church, where suddenly they went from being in a cloister, having to pray the, the office in choir, which is a great thing, But often the sisters wanted to get involved. They came out from behind the cloister walls and they began to minister Jesus in a powerful way. And then came the the societies of the apostolic life who didn't necessarily pray the office in choir. They might pray it in ministry by themselves. But they all knew they were praying it. Then we have the secular institutes. And then today we have new forms of monasticism. What's called the new monasticism where there are not only mixed communities, where there are men and women, each living separate, but as part of one community. We also have fully integrated expressions based on the Celts, like ours, the Brothers and Sisters of Charity, where we have celibate monks, traditional sisters, singles who can marry, and families, all in one integrated monastic complex, and folks who live in their own homes to be pockets of power in parishes. How cool is that? All right, well, we go from the mendicants Then, you know, we also said we can't forget the East. Monasticism came from the East, so we want to keep aware of it. And Mount Athos is this monastic republic in the north. It's a 
peninsula in northeastern Greece, and they have all the expressions. They have those who live in community together. They have those who live in smaller expressions of solitude called skeets or, you know, uh, kelia. And then we have the hermits and the recluses who live out in the mountains. The Eastern Fathers teach us really the way of hesychism, that we need to learn how to be silent and still, don't we? Yeah, See, I can't get on fire for Jesus if I don't allow myself to be lit up. So I can't get active until I get still before Christ and let Him, Him in my stillness, settle me down, get all the clutter out of my life. Boom! And now I have something to share with the world. So we have sacred stillness. Sacred stillness. I love it. And they taught us the wonderful Jesus prayer. How to unite Jesus with every breath we take. Breathing in Jesus. Breathing out. Anything in our life that's not of Christ. I had this tested with me once on the road. A guy didn't think I was driving so good, so he looked at me, was yelling at me, screaming at me, his face was all red, he gave me the universal sign. (laughs) And I felt the old self rise up, going, I've been driving longer than you've been alive, young man. (laughs) I mean, look at me. And I said, this doesn't feel like Jesus, so I breathed in Jesus. I breathed out the old self. Suddenly I felt great love for this young man. And I gave him a universal sign. (laughs) See, the Eastern monks teach us that this union with Christ, it's only a breath away. And we end, really, with a call to wake up. Pope Francis has called 2014 and 15 the year of consecrated life to wake up the world. But those of us who live in monastic and consecrated life, whether we are monks, nuns, traditional sisters, singles who can marry, or families, see, you can't wake anybody up if you're still asleep. He wants to wake us up from being asleep, from lives that are are not complete, from lives that are dull and desensitized. No, you let Jesus come and wake you up. How does he do it? You bring the old self to the cross of Jesus and you let go. And then what happens? Bang! You're born again. Born again! To become the person that God created you to be. See, monks aren't just about giving stuff up. We renounce all to gain everything. Everything. So you let go of the old self, you are born again, you become a new creation in Christ, and you become everything that God wants you to be in Christ. We have to wake up the world. The church needs awakening. People are sleepwalking through mass, sleepwalking through ministries, sleepwalking in the church. If we can get the folks in the church to wake up, Now we have a message to bring the entire world. And we can wake the world up. We can shine the light in darkness. We can bring the joy of good news. And we do it in the power of the Spirit. Pope Francis says, I invite 
every Christian at this very moment to a renewed personal encounter with Jesus Christ. He is the awakened awakener, and He will wake us up. Pray with me. Lord, help us to live for you and you alone. Help us to see that we're not alone. We're in doing this. We are with millions of other brothers and sisters who have lived through all of Christianity. Help us to wake up, to wake up in you and in the Spirit. And help us, Jesus, to wake up a sleeping church and a sleeping world. All things are possible with God. I love you guys. Thank you for joining me on this series, Monk Dynasty. Let the monk within you rise up in Christ. Thank you. Light immortal, light divine, visit now these hearts of thine and our inmost being filled for without your grace all turns to ill Sancte Spiritus means come Holy Spirit. Without the power of the Spirit in our life, Jesus remains only just a good idea or a good religious founder. It's through the power of the Spirit that Jesus becomes a personal reality for us, an intimate reality for us, a life-changing reality for us. So as I sing, you can sing along if you want or just pray, but ask the Holy Spirit to truly be alive in your life so that all the areas of our Christian faith will become powerful and life-changing. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Veni Sancte Spiritus. Veni Sancte Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. 
Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. Woodhill Community Center. Have a hand in the heart of the city. Support their mission with your donations at WoodhillCommunityCenter.org. Toyota in Nicholasville Superstore. Online consultants are standing by right now to help you find your next Toyota. Visit ToyotaOnNicholasville.com. Lexus of Lexington, home of the best-selling Lexus IS. Find yours today at LexusOfLexington.com.